Coach Joe Lucas, and welcome to this episode of our Practice Power Podcast. Hey, first off, welcome to the month of February, and I know that uh, a lot of you are probably really, really happy uh, that January has come to a close. You know, the reality is that uh, most of us did not expect our year to get off the way it did. You know, the best laid plans of mice and men, right? And instead of maybe driving some results like you uh, wanted to and be proactive, uh, we ended up a little bit more defensively talking to clients, uh, which is a good thing no matter what, and, but maybe not getting some of our uh, results done. So what I want to do in this episode, I've got several things I want to talk to you guys about today. Um, so I'm just going to kind of go over them in order here and uh, hopefully uh, we'll finish this on time. So the first thing I want to do is let's talk about January, right? So uh, as I mentioned in one of the previous episodes, I think the first episode of the year, uh, I never worry about production and actual economic results for my clients in the month of January. What I care most about is are we dialed in? Did we complete our business plan? Do we have our morning ritual locked down? Are we operating with our daily game plan? Do we have our processes, protocols, systems, and standards in place? That's what I care about. And that we're grooved, right? Because if we're doing that, it'll serve us for the rest of the year. So that's the one thing you gotta ask yourself is, you know, here we are in February, am I locked in for the month? Did I lock in January the way I needed to? And then in addition, what I also asked everybody to do was, A, talk to all, all of your clients, wish them a happy holidays, so on and so forth, any new goals, which obviously probably morphed a little bit into what's going on in the markets. Totally understand that. The other thing I ask you to do is go back and circle around to all your prospects, all the ones that we did not uh, get a yes from, to retake their temperature. And I truly believe that you know, when you have market conditions such as these, it's actually easier to acquire assets because people are no longer just sitting by, making money, and not caring whether they're hearing from their advisor. They are now open to seeking alternatives. And you need to make sure you remind them that they're there, okay? So, Let's have a little debrief on February. I mean, on January. So February, what do we want to focus on? Really, it's kind of more of the same, right? The other thing I'd add, and, and granted, by the time you listen to this podcast, it may, uh, may be a little late in the window, but I want to plant the seed now because it's, uh, it's something over the last several years I've watched uh, become more and more prevalent with my clients, and I, I want to put it out to everybody today as a quote-unquote an official recommendation. Um, I love single lady Valentine. Valentine's Day events. Uh, I probably have in my client base probably 30 to 35 events that are going to take place uh, this month, uh, from lunches to dinners. Uh, gals bring a friend. Uh, no, no presentation. Just, just a thank you and, and a nice experience for uh, for those single gals, either by choice, uh, by divorce, or by death. Right, and um, it's great because you encourage them to bring a, a gal friend, and it's a women-only event. And, you know, a couple things. Number one, it's always appreciated. Number two, creates tremendous amounts of goodwill. And for you, the advisor, the business person, 
uh, it, it will get you in front of and you'll get introduced to other potential people that you can help, okay? So I just wanna let you know, uh, we wanna maybe put that in, on the board if possible. And so make that part of your February monthly game plan that you're gonna do in writing like I always ask. Okay, so this is that process there. Um, let me kind of pivot back and talk a little bit about January again. Um, you know, one of the things that I have in, uh, access to is I touch pretty much every facet of our industry from high net worth uh, wealth managers at the predominant wirehouses to the virtual registered investment advisor, you know, working out of their house, doing a great job there, and literally everything in between. So a big breadth of, of this, of our industry. And, you know, one of the things I've been mentioning to my clients this past week is that I don't hear a lot of noise in the marketplace. Now, what I mean by noise is I didn't get one phone call in the month of January from a client of mine saying, hey, I need to talk to you. Uh, my biggest client wants to bail out. Or I've got three or four people that are bailing out. You know, didn't hear any of that. Nowhere near what it was like in the fall of 08 and spring of 09 where I was getting several calls a day with all that, right? So point being is this. I don't see a lot of noise with the client base. I just don't. I think you're always going to have your nervous clients that are always going to be concerned, especially if they're heavy-duty TV watchers and, new, and consume a lot of news. I think you're always going to have a bit of that. Uh, but of that, pretty quiet. And I just want to let you all know that so maybe you can exhale a little bit and wonder what's going on out there. Like I said, I cut across all, all social economics from the you know, f uh, clients that deal in $10 million minimums to clients that have no minimums. Pretty much across the board, all the same. All right, so I just want to give you a little bit of a heads up on that, some of my observations. Okay. Now, let's talk about the title of this podcast. Finally, 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 right after we got through all that stuff. Why do people tell you no? More importantly, why do people who A, need your help, B, you can't help them, C, they're economically qualified for the help, why do they say no to you? For, for most advisors, I can't, that's one of the most frustrating things about our business is getting in front of somebody that needs your help, can, you can help them, they're qualified economically at least, and you can't get them over the hump. And you sit there and scratch your head. Well, what happened? So what I want to do in a kind of very 50,000-foot way here today uh, in this episode is, is kind of give you some of the reasons why, some of my observations and my experiences so that, um, well, you can be more successful and, as I like to say, not rob your prospects of the opportunity of becoming your client. Because in essence, that's what happens. When you don't do a good job, that's on you. That's not on the prospect. You know, we, you know I think as human beings, when somebody says, says no to us that we want it and could have helped, we always like to put it on, oh, it's their issue. Well, they're not ready to make a decision right now. You know, they're never going to change. You know, we, and, and sometimes we kind of even go further and just want to wipe, you know, kind of, you know, wipe, our, wipe them off our world. The reality is you messed up. You didn't do what was necessary. Own it. And learn from it. 
See, if you just dismiss it as it's a prospect problem, not a me problem, you never learn. You never get any distinctions from it. And you can never evolve. You can never get better. So what I'm going to do, if you get nothing out of this podcast, let me give you this. The number one reason, number one reason, why a qualified prospect will not hire you is fear. F-E-A-R. Period. End of story. It is not fees. It is not we want to give the other person another chance. It is not that. F-E-A-R. That is, uh, I, don't call, I don't say this anymore, but I used to early in my career. That is the number one deal killer in America. Fear. Okay? So here's the thing about fear that we all have to remember. It is an emotion. Not only is it an emotion, in most cases, it's an illogical emotion. So when you have an illogical emotion, you cannot fight it, kill it, turn it around with logic. And that's what most advisors try to do. They go, let's go over the plan again. Let's go over the allocation again. Let's go over the, let's go over the dot again, right? And where you are and the line. And, and you think, you know, they, let me just throw some more stuff at them or cut my fee. And then how many times have you done that? And it still didn't work. And you come back to it and you say, you know, and, and you got nothing. They want to think about it and they leave and you're like, hmm, what did I do? And, and you know, everybody loses. They lose, you lose. No, there's no connection here because you're trying to solve an emotional problem with logic and it does not work. So stop. So what I want to do is kind of outline for you, again, in a, in a 50, I, what I'm, my goal now is to really inspire you, challenge you, hopefully cause enough pain for you that you want to go fix this for yourself. Okay, so the first thing I got to ask you is, what is your process? So when you have a new person coming in, now whether that person comes from a seminar, they come from someone you met at a networking event, uh, they come from a referral from a client, they come from a referral from another professional, center of influence, uh, or whatever other marketing, you know, the internet, you know, whatever you got going on, right? What is your process? So first of all, let's back up. How long is your process? How many meetings are you looking to do? So what, you know, so in your mind, is it, well, I want to do the least amount of meetings as possible because I want to be efficient? And look, there are people, in, and I know these people in this industry who can do a one meeting, meet, diagnose, recommend, close, and they're good at it. They're unicorns, two to three percent. So don't model these people because all you're going to do is get frustrated. And by the way, some of these people are my clients, and I tell them, stop teaching this. It doesn't work for most people, and that's why everybody's frustrated. Okay? Not everybody can swing a golf club like Rory McElroy, right? Or anybody else, or any. You take any athlete. You know, not, not very few people can aspire to that level, right? So don't teach it. So what's your meeting process? My, and this is my process. So I'm going to share with you, again, 50,000 foot view, what I think. I believe that most advisors need to adopt a three-meeting process. Now, and I'm going to give you the outline of each one of those meetings in, again, a big-picture format. 
so that you understand why I do it the way I do. For me, and what I teach, the first meeting is really an interview. It is, and it is a non-technical meeting. We are there to seek as much understanding of the people or person who is in front of us. We want to interview, diagnose, understand, get background information. We, if my world, we don't care about their portfolio. We're not going to give them our pitch book, which I don't like either, by the way, because it puts you in presentation mode, not interview mode. So the first meeting is about needs, wants, wounds, experiences, backgrounds, and we're just going to pitch and catch. We'll allow them to ask some of our ask some of our questions of us, them their questions of us, and we're not there to close business. We're there to qualify them in two very simple ways. First one, economics, and yes, you'll talk about money. It's like it won't come up, but we're not going to sit there and do a deep dive and make recommendations on you know if they bring their statements. You know, in the first meeting. You can tell them, look, I don't need your statements. I don't need your tax returns. I don't need anything. I need you, honesty, and what kind of coffee or tea do you want? Come on in. And you, it's really conversational. And that's what we do. All right? We're there to understand their emotions, their needs, their wants, their wounds, their issues, their challenges. Uh, A, what, drew, what, what prompted them to want to come see us? B, what are they seeking? What are they looking for? Right? And that's a very important question. Like, what prompts them to come see us? Well, I, well, so-and-so recommended you, or are they just there idly for more information? Right? I mean, it, it, this matters. If you've got somebody that just wants to know what you're all about versus I need help and I heard you were good, well, those are two different start points. I think I'd like to know that pretty early on in the process so I know what I'm getting myself involved with, right? So that's really kind of, you know, and this is maybe 32 and probably 45 minutes an hour long, you know, engaged. Now, if they don't want to play ball, and, and here's what I'm really doing. I'm giving you meeting. I've got a program called Meeting Mastery on Practice Power. It's 27 modules long. It's probably 20 hours of just meeting training and human behavioral dynamics, okay? So I'm going to give you kind of the big picture here to give you something to attract to run on here. So all we're doing in the first meeting, building rapport, understanding needs, wants, and wounds, like I said, and to determine whether or not a second meeting is warranted. Because if within 10 minutes, they just want to talk about, well, tell me what your fees are and, and what do you got to offer? And they don't want to talk about, you know, their financial scenario, their goals, their issues, their challenges. In other words, they just want to gather information from you and they don't want to share you know what, I appreciate you coming in. I just don't think this is going to be a good fit for us. Um, why don't we just finish our coffee? I'd be glad to discuss anything you'd like, and then uh, let, me, uh, let me walk you out. And literally, that's it. We're not going to play that game. And I don't care how much money they have. You bend your rules and acquiesce to them, you lose control, you lose your authority, you lose your power, you're dead. So don't do it, okay? All I want to do in the first meeting is see if we, again, are they likable? Do they appear profitable? Are they going to be coachable? Because if they're not on their best behavior in the first meeting, what makes you think they're going to be a good client long-term and take your advice? It's kind of a delusion, don't you think? So we don't want to do that. 
So that's what the first meeting is all about. And, and if everybody's happy and sounding good and stuff like that, and by the way, in this first meeting, you're going to outline your process. And hey, today's really just about getting to know you. I'm here really just to interview, ask questions, seek an understanding. We're not going to talk portfolio. We're not going to talk fees. We're not going to talk any of that because none of that's relevant. We don't, we don't get through this first, right? So assume you get through that. Then what we're going to do is have what we call our technical or our diagnostic meeting, meeting number two. Now, meeting number, the, the, the time frame between meeting number one to meeting number two, typically my class will do it in a week, seven days. I don't like pushing stuff out too far. Could you do it tighter? Yeah, because there's really no prep. I mean, you're going to bring them in. So what do they need to do in, in, in meeting number two? Bring your statements in. Bring your tax returns in. If you have any fact finders you need filled out, financial planning, financial uh, planning questionnaires, right? All that stuff gets handled in a technical meeting. So this is when we talk about their quote-unquote stuff, right? This is the technical meeting. Um, I'm not going to get into too much detail on this podcast because it will be a 20-hour podcast. Um, but what you want to do is really take a look and, and understand that in the second meeting, we're there to really um, add value, make what I like to call trial recommendations. Let me explain what a trial recommendation is. A trial recommendation is what I call floating some trial balloons by people to gauge their response that's quote-unquote non-official. Think of it like tests, okay? Yeah, I'll give you an example. So maybe you're looking at a client, and you're looking at their scenario, and you're, you're in your second meeting, and you, know, you quickly ascertain that probably a long-term care policy would be in their best interest. Okay, so here's what a test sounds like. You know, mi you know, Mr. and Mrs. Jones. You know, I can see here that you know one of the things we might want to consider owning is a long-term care policy because those the words might want to consider owning. I didn't say buy. I didn't say purchase. Own. How would you feel about that potentially, right? So I can now gauge. You know what? Yeah, you know, that's, you know, we read with that, you know, from, hey, that, you know, that sounds good to, oh, no, 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 I heard those things are a waste of money and it's bad. And I said, well, I didn't really recommend it. I just want to, I'm, th I'm thinking about it. I'm not sure yet, but I just want to see how you felt about it, right? So I know before I even make an official recommendation that I got to do some work on this because, you know, either A, they're not on board or maybe they are going to be on board and that's great, right? So you can do these trial balloons, if you will, these trial recommendations in a very, what I call global way, just to gauge response. And you can do it pretty much anything. You know, hey, one of the things we may want to do is uh, look to retain maybe two or three different uh, money managers uh, in different disciplines uh, to, you know, that would really do a great job with these assets. I'm curious, you know, how would you feel about or what do you know about uh, third-party money managers, right? And boom, or if you do your own, again, whatever it is, and you go ahead and we might, again, and, and the language is very soft, we might want to consider owning. We might want to consider going out and getting, right? Might want to consider is about as soft as you can make it. It is not a recommendation, but you get the gauge. And that's what we do in the second meeting. We're doing all that stuff. And so what we're really doing is putting our ideas in their head before they become official recommendations. Then obviously the third meeting, which is probably, you know, that will take some time, maybe about a week down the road. And that's when we're going to go ahead and present our plan and we're going to tie it into, you know, all the things that are important to them. So we're not going to do a bunch of, I mean, not saying you don't have pie charts and graphs, and, and that's cool, but don't just talk about the pie chart and the graph. Really make sure that you tie it in. I call it emotional linking. 
Every recommendation you must link to a need, a want, and a wound. Because when you do that, you'll compel them to say yes to you. The other thing it does, quite frankly, is it'll, it really does not feel like a sales process. You know, the biggest, remember I said fear? Well, what's fear? You know, so what are they afraid of? Well, you know, the prospect is afraid of change. They're afraid of making a wrong decision. They're afraid of being sold. They're, being afra- they're, they're, afraid of, they're afraid of being taken advantage of, right? Being abandoned, all those things. And so what we want to do is give them a total different experience. Because maybe they met with several advisors, and maybe this, every advisor's kind of brought them in, you know, dug into the portfolio, you know, made a bunch of recommendations. In other words, let me show you how smart I am, right? And then, and, and they want to go either for the close right there, or hey, why don't you come back in next week? I'll have a proposal ready for you. And they, and they try, to jam, try to jam that down, right? This way, we're going to make, we on board on a very deliberately slow process for most people. Now, I did say most people. Uh, sometimes you have somebody who's referred to you, they've already, they're already predisposed to hiring you, they just want to know what the details are. I mean, it's rare that they'll do it in one meeting, but yes, could you get that done in two meetings or truncate it down? Yeah, you can, uh, as long as you're comfortable that you understand the psychology, the personality of the person you're getting as a client. I'm totally fine with that. So you don't have to, no, 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 you can't sign yet. You got to wait for next week. I'm not, I'm not saying to do that. But what I am saying is just slow it down. You got to remember, and this is the thing I think we need to remember. I think a lot of us are old enough to remember the quote unquote good old days when, you know, you can open up accounts with a preferred or bond, or anything, right? And you know, you kind of you kind of establish that little thing, and then hopefully you grow from there. That's basically dead. It's obsolete. It's gone. The marketplace has shifted from that. Okay, and we are now easily in a consultative process. And you need to shift. Some of you, and I know this because I work with some of you, and I've you know I, over the years, you know, you still have a twenty-year-old process or 30-year-old process. And the marketplace has totally shifted. And you can thank 2008, 2009, you can, thank, you can thank Bernie Madoff, you can thank a lot, you can thank a lot of reasons why this has happened. But you cannot be running an obsolete model. You gotta fight, you, you gotta fight the 21st century battles with, for 20, with a 21st century process. That's why you get some no's. It's not relating to the marketplace, to your prospects, to people that you want to, that you want to serve. And like I said, that's what really you need to understand. It's an emotional process. It's a, an emotional process. And if you're trying to be, well, Joe, I'm a professional. It's all about, you know, let me say this to you. I got some of the most professional people as clients, highly successful in this industry, and I'll tell you what, they emotionally connect with their people. They emotionally collect, connect with their clients. So don't give me that. I won't buy it. Quite frankly, if, if you don't have that emotional connection with, with your clients and your prospects, you're just a robo-advisor without the robo. And at some point, you know what? There'll be a way to get it done cheaper because they're going to feel no connection to you. And that's not what we want this to be about. 
You need to understand, and I say that respectfully, you need to understand that being in the people business, which is what we're in, is all about emotional connection, emotional influence. Now, what I teach, what I train on, are the tools and skills of influence. I don't, salespeople do not do well in our industry. Because when you think salespeople, what do you think about? If I said to you, describe, give me your version uh, or vision of a salesperson, it's going to be somebody who presents. It's going to be somebody who talks a lot. And we never want to appear that way. We want to ask questions. In fact, in the first meeting, as a little bonus here, if you will, it should be 80% your prospect talking, 20% you are, and most of that 20% is asking question and then follow-up question. Could you tell me a little bit more about that? Or tell me why you feel that way? Or tell me why that's important to you? And you're just taking notes or you're recording the meeting. You're doing what you need to do. And you're present, right? You're not, your brain's not wandering off about, what, I wonder what's going on next or what, what's my next appointment or, or what am I going to have for lunch? You know, you're 100% you're present there with high energy, right? That's what it takes to really emotionally connect. The standards are being raised. It's not like it was 10, 15, 20 years ago. You know, we're in a new industry with a new set of rules in a new environment. Much more sophisticated, but I remember this. You know, for a lot of you, you started your career, there were no internet. There was no internet. Or it, was, it was in its infancy, right? So there wasn't this flow of information. People can't look stuff up on the web, right? There was no LinkedIn. There was no E-Trade, Schwab. There was none of that stuff, right? Well, now your client, your prospects come in, you know, better educated, granted sometimes wrongly, right? But better educated, more knowledgeable, at least the appearance of it, than most. So you have a more sophisticated clinical buyer, but if you don't have a sophisticated, elegant, impactful, emotional, influential process, you're just like everybody else. And then you end up, and then you end up trying to sell on price. And that's a loser's game. So I just want to give you some of these. It's just been something that's been on my mind for a while to discuss on one of these podcasts. Um, you know, I, I often discount uh, that part of my work, which is the meeting training, and and I do a lot of a lot of, uh, uh, if you will, prep and consultation and brainstorming with with my clients on their prospects. You know, I'll get a client call me up on one of our calls and hey, I want to run this scenario by, and the first thing I'll say, well, tell me why they're there. Tell me what their needs are. Tell me what their wants are. Tell me what their wounds are. Tell me what they want out of a relationship with a financial professional. Tell me that. If you don't have those answers to me, then I can't give you guidance because you don't have the right data. You know how much their net worth is. You know how much money they have. You know, you know how much they have and uh, what their allocations look like, but you have no idea what their emotional scenarios are. We need that information. Okay? So... Uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode, and and like I said, I tried to cram in very quickly uh, 20 hours into kind of very some topical stuff here. Um, for those of you who have access to Practice Power, uh, PracticePower.net, Sales Training Center, Meeting Mastery, 27 modules, 
make you a lot of money. So uh, go have a listen to that. And uh, for everybody else, uh, thank you for taking the time to listen to me. Uh, Have a great weekend, and I'll see you in about seven days.